So I'd like to talk to you this evening about a praying church. Because a church that prays and has the habit of praying is a church that can stay. No praying, there's no staying. Church that prays together will stay together. Well, we're in the book of Acts. Let's go to chapter number six. Acts chapter number six, verse. Verse number six. Watch it says, whom they set before the apostles. Acts six, verse six. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. The great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. When I'm talking about a church that stays, I'm talking about a praying church, a staying church. What do they stay in? They stay in the faith. You start to depart from prayer. You start to depart from the doctrines and the truths of the faith. And so they stayed in They stayed in prayer. That kept them in the word. And that kept them obedient to the faith. Look at Acts 16. Acts chapter number 16. Verse number 5. Bible says in Acts 16 verse number 5. Uh, verse. Uh, it says. And so were the churches established in faith. And increased in number daily. Wouldn't we love that today? The reason, the reason why people aren't staying is because people aren't praying. The reason we have a departure from the faith and why people aren't staying in the faith is they don't have a daily, weekly, monthly habit of prayer. The other thing you want to stay in is service. Look at Romans chapter number 12. Praying will keep you staying in service. Romans chapter 12. Let's look at that. Romans chapter number 12, look at verse number 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We all have seasons in life where we just put our Christian service aside. And things come up in our life and stress comes up in our life and things happen at church and things happen at home and things happen in your individual life. And you just all of a sudden reasonable service doesn't stay no more. I believe it starts with prayer. I believe it starts with prayer. Church that's going to stay in the faith, the church that's going to stay in service is going to be a church that's going to have to stay in prayer. A church that prays stays. They stay in the faith. They stay in service. And they stay in line with the will of God. Ephesians chapter number 6. Ephesians 6. Ephesians chapter 6. The Bible says in verse number 6. Not with eye service as men pleasers. 
but as the servants of Christ, doing, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. I really thought when I got in the ministry, I'd be preaching to men, I'd be preaching to people, I'd be preaching to the saints, and I'd be, but you know what I've realized? I'm not preaching for people. I'm preaching for the Lord. And if you want to stay in service to the Lord, you can't be in service to the Lord for people. You need to be in service to the Lord for the Lord. And then maybe people will get a blessing or get some help or whatever. However, the, however it's going to play out, let God take care of. There's a lot of things that are done with eye surface. There's a lot of things that are done just to please man. But the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. With goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to man. Church that prays is church that stays. They stay in the faith. They stay in service to the Lord. They stay in line with the will of God. I also like to talk to you about a church that prays. Should be a church. That can sway others to a few things. Hebrews chapter number 10 talks about not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. It's a way of compelling others to gather. Uh, by the mere fact of them showing up, they're saying, hey, look, this is important to me. And just by somebody showing up, they're trying to sway someone else that maybe has in their mind, ah, I'm going to skip out on that. I'm, gonna, I'm not really going to be as serious. You know, when people show up, they send a message. But I'll tell you the same thing. When people don't show up, they, say, they, they send another message. It's not important. Church that prays can sway others to make fellowship important. Look at Ephesians 6, since we're there. Look at verse number 17. Ephesians 6, look at verse 17. We go through all this armor of God in Ephesians 6. And at the end of all of that, we see in verse number 17, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then it ends with verse 18, this thought of the weapons of our warfare, our armor of God. And then it says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all preservation and supplication for the saints. I believe a church that prays is a church that tries to sway God. God help us. God worketh in our midst. God, coming before you, offering supplication, will you supply this need and help in this situation? We need some praying because we need some swaying. First Peter 2. Verse Peter 2. Verse number 12. First Peter 2. Verse 
number 12. 1 Peter 2, verse number 12. Bible says, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may be your good works, which they shall behold to glorify God in the day of visitation. Your testimony, how, how you live. In verse number 11, talks about strangers and pilgrims and this war that's going on. And, and now we have a conversation with the Gentiles that they, even though this world may talk against you, you can sway them by the way you live your life. But I'm afraid that a lot of Christians, the first thing that goes off the list is prayer. Not going to sway anybody, anything without, without prayer. Prayer. We have a church that prays. Days. They can sway others. but also a church that prays, pays. What does that mean? It's a touchy subject, but we're going to look at it. Go to 1 Corinthians 16. 1 Corinthians 16. First Corinthians chapter number 16. Look at verse number 2. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. You know what they did on the first day of the week? They came with money. And as God has prospered them, they gave. I don't believe that you can really start giving unless you start praying about your giving. The price of everything is going up. And it's going to continue to go up. But if prayer goes off your priority list first. And the price of everything in the world is going up. You're going to pay for all the everything else. And what's going to be left out is the first day of the week. You're probably not going to give any type of money to the local church. Unless you have a prayer line. Unless you have a prayer line. People pay into a lot of things. God wants you to invest your finances in eternal matters. Church that prays, church that gives. And 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, they don't just give, they give. With the right motive. 2 Corinthians 9 verse number 7. Every man according as he purposed in his heart. It's not what the preacher tells you to give. It's not what someone tries to force out of you. It's what you purpose in your heart. The Bible says so let him give. And that's what every church should do. They should let people give they should make a way for them to give 
whether that's a basket or a plate or an offering box, whatever it is, an online platform, whatever it is, there should be a way made so that people can give with the right motive, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. I've never met a sports fan that was that bought the tickets to the sporting event grudgingly. Well, I guess I'll stand in line for an hour. I guess I'll pay $300 for a good front row seat. Or I guess I'll just sit there. They cheerfully want to be there. Their motive is right. Their heart is cheerful about it. They're committed to it. They're excited about it. The motive matters. The motive matters. You start praying, you'll start giving with the right motive. Then go to Mark chapter number 12. Matthew, Mark chapter 12, verse number 41. Mark chapter 12, verse number 41. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. There came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. He called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. A church that prays and an individual that prays will not only pray with the right motive, will not only give with the right motive, rather, but they'll give the right amount. You know, if you've got a million dollars and you give ten dollars, That's not the right amount. But if you only have $11 and you give $10, you see the difference? You know what I've found? People have money for things that they value. I re- I remember my former life, I taught martial arts, and I remember... There were families that made six figures that paid for monthly tuition. And there were families that made very, very meager means that paid the same amount. It was important to them. They found the money. When something is important to you, somehow you find the money. And if giving and praying and all of that is important to you, you'll find the money. Say, preacher, I don't have any money. Did you eat food? Yes. Okay. But I I don't have any money left at the end of the week. We'll start with a penny. That penny might turn to two. That two might turn to four. Next thing you know, you're up to a nickel. Well, I couldn't do that. Well, it's better than not doing anything. 
But if you don't start, you don't have a prayer life, you're not going to have a giving life. You don't have a prayer life, you're not going to have a, a staying in the service of God life. You don't have a prayer life, you're not going to have a life that is able to sway others towards the things of God. Last one we'll look at. My last thought I have on a praying church is this. A church that prays is a church that obeys. I want to talk to you about three things concerning obedience. One is doctrine. We've been going through 1 Timothy and it starts off talking about the importance of doctrine and keeping that established in a church. You don't have a prayer life, you're going to get messed up on doctrine. Doctrine's important. But just obeying doctrine and not having a life that lines up with the doctrine that you say you believe, that ain't going to sway anybody. That's going to be a hypocritical life. So you want to have doctrine. Okay, fine. But if you don't have a life that lines up where we believe the Bible, where you're not living what you say you believe, People can tell me and agree with me on all the right doctrine, yet their life is like, well, wait a minute. You said you believe that, yet you're doing that. You said you believe all these doctrines on our doctrinal statement, yet this is going on and that's going on. Wait, what is that? That's a prayer life. That's out of, that's out of whack. Church that prays will obey not just the letter, but the spirit. Letter of the law, the spirit of the law. It's not, the spirit isn't saying get rid of the letter. But you can't have the letter without the spirit. You have to have both. If you're led by the spirit, the spirit's going to lead and guide you into all truth. Thy word is truth. The doctrines of the Bible are true. We've, we, we've got that. But without the spirit, that's all you've got. You've got a pharisaical belief system and a pharisaical life system I was talking to uh, someone and uh, you know the Methodist church is going through a whole it's been going through a mess over the last five years especially and churches are starting to close a lot of things have crept into Methodism and it's 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 been corrupting it. They're, they're losing a lot of the, the churches and the preachers. A lot of them gone liberal. But one thing the Methodists have historically is they have been cultured into the people serving, not sitting. They as a people, as a denomination, if you want to call them, which would be proper, that's their denomination, they help each other. They're involved in the community. They serve. They live their life not sitting. They live their life serving. And I say to you this evening, there's a lot of Baptists that got a lot of right doctrine that just sit down and don't do nothing. 
they haven't been inculcated. They haven't been, maybe they haven't been taught. Maybe they haven't prayed about it. Maybe they haven't gotten their whole heart and mind wrapped around the idea of, I'm not called to just sit on my bottom in a church pew. I'm called to obey and get up and go and serve. Help somebody. Get involved with somebody's life instead of sitting like a lump on a pew, not doing anything, wasting, wasting away. And you get to go to your grave with all of this doctrine in your head. Well, if you got all this doctrine, why don't you help somebody? I believe a lot of Baptists can learn from the Methodists from that perspective. So, I said all of that to say, the people are doing something about the situation that that denomination is in. Why? Because they already are used to living a life where they are serving. So they're rallying together and they're actually doing something. Why? Because they've always served. They've always done something. Here comes the Laodicean Baptist that has all his doctrine, right? But doesn't do a darn thing with The internet has hurt more than it has helped. Because you can sit on your sofa with a bag of Doritos and some soda pop and your pajamas and your flip-flops and not have to leave the house and you can just tune into your favorite preacher. And then when he doesn't say something you like, you can turn him off and put somebody else. In. And when he doesn't say something you like, you can turn on somebody else. It's just scroll through it and you listen to what you want to listen to. And it's hurt more than it's helped. And as a result of that, people as a culture, as a people group, they don't lack the coping skills to function in groups where everybody doesn't see everything the way that their scroll on their phone goes. We all have different thing, ideas about different things. But if we're not praying about obeying in our life, we're going to miss out on the blessings that God has for us here and the help that others could be provided. church that prays, the church that will obey not just doctrine, but a life that lines up with the doctrine. Well, we believe the King James Bible. Great. Well, you're not obeying it, so it really doesn't fit too well. If you say you believe the Bible, make an effort to obey what it says in your life. And last, the Great Commission. I am not against what I'm about to mention. I'm for it. But I am going to paint it in a bit of a negative picture to draw out a bigger point. 
I understand that people have health needs and we need to pray for, look, my neck hurts all the time. My low back hurts all the time. Pray for me. We're praying for Sister Connie, her eye to heal up and she would get full vision back. I'm for that. We're praying to that end, the churches, and I am personally. I'm for all of that. And there's other people, Robbie, that we're praying for. He has physical pain all the time. His body is in pain. But a church that prays will be a church that obeys the Great Commission. And I have yet to get a prayer request from anyone that says, can you put me on the prayer list, preacher? I'm a bit of a wimp when it comes out to telling anybody about Jesus. I'm not saying take away, the, I am not saying to take away the prayers that have to do with physical pain and physical ailments. What I'm saying is, when do the prayer requests come in that say, Preacher, I need help obeying what the Lord told me to do in his word with the great permission. Because we have lost a heart for evangelism as a church. It's the reason we are not seeing what we would want to see revival. Because if every single person who says they're a Christian, oh, I'm a Christian. Do you go to church? No, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Well, you're right. But typically, uh, well, you, you may say, are you a baseball fan? Yeah. How many games do you go to? Well, I don't go to baseball. You don't have to be a fan to go to a baseball game. Most of them that I know go to the games. They watch the games. They get involved. Well, I'm a Christian, but I don't. Obey the Great Commission. It shouldn't be. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. It was given to everyone. A church that prays will be a church that obeys the Great Commission that was given to every Christian. Not as a gift, as a command. Go. And God, if you pray about that and you have a heart for that, God will put somebody in your life where you can tell them about Jesus Christ. It might be in the line at the food lion. It might be at the park when you're out and about. It might be with a corporate outreach for the church. But don't just sit and waste away. And die with all the right doctrine. Obey the Lord. Obey the doctrine that you say you agree with. Obey the doctrine that you. That, the reason why you say you don't go to that church. And you come to this church. Because of the doctrine. Well believe, believe the doctrine by obeying it. And getting up and doing something with it. Or you're going to just go to your grave with a head full of knowledge. And I don't personally for me. I don't want it for anyone here. A praying church. They'll stay in the faith and service. They'll stay in the will of God. 
will give cheerfully with the right motive, with the right amount. And they will obey not only doctrine, but their life and the Great Commission.